I'm excited this morning we began a brand new series of messages. Could be really, really beneficial to all of us. Why we, we believe what we believe. It's important that we know why we believe what we believe. And it should come back to the word of God. And the importance of that is we develop a biblical worldview. Many of us in this room and across our world, we have a, a view of the world. We have a worldview. But to be quite frank, a lot of our worldview is based only on our personal experiences. What we have had happened to us, what we've observed, the way things went with us in the workplace. When we prayed to God, this is what took place. God, I ask you to do this and you did nothing, so I have this view of God. And so we need to circle back and come back to the truth of God's word. And so over the next weeks, we're going to do that. We're going to go right back to the word of God and we're going to ask the kind of questions. Is there hell? What is, what, is there value in human life? Why do we believe what we believe about creation? What do we believe about the word of God? Is God really, does he love people and still have an eternity for them? And so those kind of questions will be running through. But the reality is right now, whether you want to believe that or not, is based upon whether your heart is open to God's word. And what happens is this, your personal experiences have shaped your worldview. You open yourself up to someone, and then they let you down, and so everyone will let you down. You've had this experience in your marriage, so every marriage is like this. I can't trust anyone. When I stepped out and was vulnerable to this person, I got hurt. When I needed God the most, I prayed, and I kept praying, I kept praying, and everything that I wanted, it didn't come through, so he must not be a good God. And so we need to get back to foundation and say, who is God in that? Here's what happens. Cynicism develops in our hearts. And whether you will admit or not, there is a possibility that you've let cynicism creep into your heart. And so as I was beginning this series, I realized that we need to start there. We need to say, okay, God, if there is a cynical spirit in me, then I must get rid of it. Because if I don't get rid of it, then as I hear these truths... I'll respond in a cynical way and I won't hear the truth that's there. And so cynicism squashes belief. Cynicism squashes truth. And so we're going to try to erode ourselves of that today. My hope is this. By the time you leave today, that you'll examine your heart and say, have I let this past experience, have I let this relationship? Have I let this time when I think God let me down and he didn't let you down, have I let it formed my view of God to a point where now it's like everyone's that way. Every church is that way. Every boss is that way. Every principal's that way. Every school's that way. Every woman's that way. I'll never date again because I can't trust guys. And so if we don't erode cynicism, then it'll be squashed. You know what happens? We freeze ourselves and we become dinosaurs of this moment in our lives, never ever to move from that because we've concrete ourselves in. We're kind of like these tools from the past. When I was looking in one of my, my, my closets in my office and I, and I found one of these. You guys remember these cassette players? They were awesome when they first came out because when I was a kid in our cars that we drove, we had eight track players and like they were just awesome and I thought they was the coolest thing, but you had to wait to the second song 
on the first track to play the second song on the second track. And so you would have to listen to another song first before you get to one on the second. And so you go clunk, clunk, clunk and work your way. And then they came out with cassette players. And then they came out with portable cassette players. Like, these are the coolest things in the world. Like, and the reality is some of you are still back there. Do you remember when we used to keep our files on floppy disk? You remember these? Like, I remember when they were, remember when they were five and a quarter inch floppy disk? And it's like, you would stick these, and by the way, those of you who don't understand, these, this is what we store information. This is what a CD was before a DVD was, and you would stick it in, you would have information. And now, I remember one of the first times I pulled out an album to our kids when they were young, an LP, and I pulled it out. And I remember it was, the, they, were, they had CDs, and like, I remember it was, it was uh, I believe it was Hannah, and she said, Dad, that's the biggest CD I've ever seen in my life. It, it was an album, had never seen one. And so what happens is we get these devices. You remember, remember when the first BlackBerry came out? Like, that was the cool, like, man, I was so cool. I BlackBerry. Like, and you remember how, like, you would, you, would, you would look at your phone and there would just be this little clock on it that was spinning. And while you were talking, it would freeze up when you had to take the battery out and reset it. You remember <laughs> the good old days with the BlackBerry? Some of you remember, like, these were the coolest things. They aren't anymore. These are dinosaurs from the past. And the reality is if that's where we stay, then we, we're not open to truth. And some of us have frozen in the past. And there is an individual in the Bible who is the cynic among the cynics. And he's so cynical that he almost loses out on a great move of God. Grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand. And let's turn to John chapter 1. And let's see how cynicism squashes belief. Hold your hands up if you need a Bible. Our ushers will put one in your hand. And turn to John chapter 1. And we're going to read John chapter 1 verses 43 through 51. Would you stand with me as we read it out loud together? John chapter 1 verses 43 through 51. John 1, verses 43 to 51. Read with me out loud. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Verily, truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You may have a seat. Cynicism forms from past experiences. Now, I don't want you to hold on to that. Cynicism forms from past experiences. If you're not careful, that's the only thing that you allow to actually form your biblical worldview. Jesus is calling men to follow him. So picture Jesus. He says, I need some followers. The early days trying to get some followers and disciples to follow him. 
And so there's Phil. Phil says, I'll follow God. And he says, by the way, hey, I know, I got a friend, his name's Nate. I'm gonna go get Nate, Nathaniel, and I'm gonna ask Nathaniel, I'm gonna come and say, hey, we get to follow Jesus. So he goes and gets his friend, Nathaniel. He says, Nate, come on. And Nate, he says, by the way, we get to follow Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, Nazareth? Can anything good come from New Paris, Indiana? Like there's, can anything good come from Hagerstown, Maryland? Is it possible that anything good can come from Nazareth? Cynicism at its finest. In other words, the reason he wasn't willing to follow Jesus is because something in his past had happened or he knew from his past that had shaped his belief system to think there is no way anything good, especially the Son of God, the King of Israel, could ever come from Nazareth. And so in his mind, there's no way it could be the Messiah. In his mind, nothing good could ever take place. And so what he knew was Nazareth, that's where all the poor Israelites lived. In fact, he was probably sitting under that fig tree, remembers in Genesis chapter 28, when Jacob was wrestling with God. And he was ascending and descending on Jacob's ladder. And he was probably remembering that in his mind. How could we ever have someone lead us who is the poorest of poorest from Nazareth? That's not what my worldview says where the king of kings and lord of lords should come from. And so when Philip came to him, he says, are you kidding me? You think I'm going to follow a man from Hagerstown, Maryland? There is no way. And so he had formed a thought in his mind and cynicism kept him from believing that the future could be different with Jesus. And here's what I know to be true. Hope dies in our cynicism. It just does. We have these beliefs that cloud us. We have these experiences that we've been hurt from and, and we haven't healed from them. And so we look at God, God, you're not a good God because when I needed you the most, you weren't there. And we become cynical of what God can do in the future. This morning, I was in our bathroom. There's a, Anne has a sink and I have a sink. And I was up early and I was shaving. And as I was shaving, I had hot water running. And as, as I was shaving, the water began to fill up in the, in the sink without the plug being put in the sink, and I realized, I need to clean this sink. There's, I've let stuff get in there. All the times I've shaved, all the time I put gel on my, on my hair, and then I wash my hands, it's built up, and every time I've cleaned the dirt off my hands, and it was reminded, now I gotta brush my teeth, and I grabbed my electric toothbrush and got my Colgate out and put it on, and the water was bubbling up. It's like, I need to clean the sink! Because if I don't clean the sink, then it's going to overflow. It's because I had let these things, this dirt, these things from the past pile up in my sink that it was squashing off the ability for this sink drain to function properly. That's exactly what cynicism will do in your life. You've let these hurts, you've let these, these events, these moments from your past that have scarred you and they build up and you can't let your mind have a place for truth. And so hope dies in the midst of that. And so here's what I know. A worldview should not be placed in concrete based upon our experiences. But for some of you, 
oh my goodness, the cynicism has hardened and you are in concrete. Have you ever had someone who comes to you and to tell you about someone and says, I want to let you know, you can never trust that person. You can never trust them because here's why you can't trust them. Because the last time that I met with them, this took place. And so because this happened to me, then it will happen to you. And not only that, you can't trust anyone from that company. And you can't trust anyone from that school. And you can't trust anyone from that city. And you can't trust based upon experience. And there have been times people come to me and I'll say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'll say, that hasn't been my experience. (laughs) And just because you've allowed that hurt in your life, to cause you to not trust anyone, I'm not going to let that worldview shape my worldview. And Nathaniel is in the trenches, and his worldview says nothing good could ever come from Nazareth. Nothing good could ever come from that company. Nothing good could ever come from that school. Nothing good could ever come from that preacher. Nothing good could ever come from that church. Nothing good could ever come. And cynicism is the catalyst that squashes the ability to believe. Philip says, come follow. Nathaniel says, I'm skeptical because I know of Nazareth and the people that come from there. It plays out on our lives. Your friend who has had his heart broken many times now thinks that no man could ever be trusted because this man and these men hurt me. Your optimistic college roommate who went into the investment banking is convinced that all his colleagues are simply in it for themselves. So he would never invest, ever invest. Instead, he'll take his money and put it in a can in his backyard. Cynicism based upon a hurt, a pain from our past. Your brother-in-law cop has seen so much Too many times to believe the best about anyone anymore. And so they're cynical about trusting anyone. And you and I could do the same. And Nathaniel is doing it right here. And so here's what happens. We say things like this. Well, that could never happen. And anything good can ever come from that relationship. So why waste the time? Or from my previous experiences... God never came through for me, so why pray anymore? When I prayed, I asked for healing for my child. We prayed, we had the church pray, we had friends pray, I fasted. And when I prayed, I prayed, 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 and nothing happened, so why pray? God doesn't answer prayer. Based upon a hurt or experience, instead of saying, God, I trust your will, I know you know what's best, I go back to the word of God and say that God is a good God. I wonder how many of us have shut the door to breakthrough because we doubt the ability of God. And we no longer pray for faith-filled prayers. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever walked on planet Earth, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a good read. In fact, I encourage you to read it straight through. And if you begin to read Ecclesiastes and you don't read it till the end in chapter 12 where he says, finally, this is what I know to be true, you would say, boy, he's quite the cynic, isn't he? Vanity upon vanity. Everything is meaningless. I tried this. I owned that. I had 600 wives. I had all these kids. All this is just vanity upon vanity. Finally, he gets to the end, and you'll see where he ends up. And and he said this. It's one of the 
the verses in the Bible that many people look at and say, how can that be true? Just listen, this is what he said, very wise man. Ecclesiastes 1.18, he said, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Like, wow, that's kind of disturbing, isn't it? Like, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. You see, we begin to believe the lie that we know too much, we have seen too much to ever believe our situation could ever change because we've experienced pain, because we've seen it, because we've been around the block longer, and because we've taken in information, we've read, we've tasted, we've touched, we've experienced, and with much knowledge, with much experience comes lots of grief. Life is hard. And Solomon is saying, but listen, the more knowledge, the more grief. And if we're not careful, we stop there by saying, listen, why even try? If all we got is pain, why even believe that God can deliver me in my situation now? So we stop believing God. This week, I got a phone call and looked out my iPhone and it's, it was a guy who attends here at Grace, Art Henderson. I thought, you know, I'm gonna answer this. And I was in my office and he said, on the other end, he says, hey, Jim. He said, I got some good news. I said, well, I want to hear good news. Tell tell me what your good news is. He says, you're not going to believe it. I said, listen, I like believing things that other people don't want to believe, so I'm going to believe it. I said, well, tell me, tell me, tell me the story. He said, said, you know, he said, I I have kidney failure. I'm in renal failure. And he said, you know, for the last year and a half, by the way, he's been on kidney dialysis. He goes every day and he has this pump that pumps him and, 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 and he, he has dialysis done every day. And so for a year, he's been on dialysis because his kidneys have failed. In fact, for six months of the last year, he has been wanting to get a kidney donor. And so he even asked a group of guys that were part of our two chapters ago fight club, if anyone was out there. And there were five men that surfaced and said, hey, I'll test my, see if my blood type would match his blood type so that we could have a kidney replaced, willing to share their kidney with him. And so they began to go down that path, and there was a, two, two names or one name that surfaced that could potentially be a match. But in the midst of that, he had his heart problems, and they realized that he needed to have surgery done on his heart. So the kidney failure and the donor thing, they told him, you can't be placed on a list because... Your heart is failing and you need to have heart surgery. So he went and had heart surgery. And so the kidney thing, he began to have dialysis. And he said, Jim, I just want to tell you something. I went to the doctor this week. He said, and the doctor looked at my numbers and my kidneys. He said, they're normal. I said, Art, you're not normal, but I'm glad to hear your kidneys are normal. He says, no, listen. He said, Jim, it's normal. I said, tell me more. He said, no, when I mean by normal, the doctor looked at me and said, you don't need kidney dialysis anymore. And I said, I looked at the doctor and the doctor said, here's what that means, Art. Listen, your machine, put it away. Your pump, put it away. You don't need it anymore. He said, in fact, I want you to come back in one month from now and we're going to take the tube out of your belly so that you won't have, because you don't need dialysis anymore. And so he said, the doctor said, you know, he said, I've seen some rare cases along the way. He said, where people have a heart surgery, and because after heart surgery, their blood started flowing better and it infected their kidneys. And he said, I'm sure that's right. And Art says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, while that may be true, he said, said, Doc, I'm going to let you know, there's been a church, and there have been people, and there have been women, and there have been men, and they've been praying for me. He said, I believe that because of the power of prayer, our great God, that that I am healed today. And and, and he said, the doctor said, well, that could happen too. (laughs) But pull away, just pull away. 
15 months plus. Been having kidney dialysis. He walked out of the doctor's office and they told him, you don't need dialysis anymore. (laughs) And they told him, come back in a month and we're going to take the tube out of you because listen, there's nothing wrong with your kidneys. Is our God great? Our God's great. Uh, See, now look, look, some of you like, but my experience has been, I only believe when he goes back in a month. You know what that's called? That's called cynicism. Because you're basing his healing on your experience. And you're like, oh, 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 don't, don't, don't celebrate too much. Why? Because you're cynical. Like, well, God still doesn't do that in our world today. And so you're, you're right inside, there's, there's this war going on inside of some of you. Like, well, wait a minute. Well, I really believe. Like, instead of saying, my worldview says God can still do things that man can't do. Amen? Amen. Oh, I pray by the end of this message that we just strip and you just, you take that drain in your, in your bathroom that's just clogging up and, 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 and we run Roto-Rooter down and we believe and we don't squash unbelief. You see, our worldviews can become so skewed because of experiential knowledge that we leave no room for the almighty God to do the impossible in our lives. I just wanted to let you know. You can come with me with all your doubt, and I'm going to give you Jesus back. (laughs) And I'm going to say, my God can do way more than we ask or imagine. And I believe that our God can do things that man can't do. Why do I believe that? Because the word of God says it, not because of something that I experienced only. You see, sometimes I grieve when I leave conversations because the person who was once on the front lines with Jesus, especially as people age. Oh my goodness gracious. Cynical. No one can do anything. Critical. Critical of the church. I need the church to do this. I wish they did that better. When we did it, we did it that way. If I was to do it, I would do it that way. And the spirit of cynicism builds as we age. And I pray, oh, please, God, don't let me go down that path. May I still be youthful in my old age. May I be an agent of hope to the world, not doom and gloom and cynicism. You see, my Bible says that with God, all things are possible. And my worldview is shaped by the truth of God's word. Cynicism begins, listen to me, not because you don't care, but because you do care. Here's what I mean by that. You open yourself up to someone. You share your heart. You're saying, here's a personal struggle that I have, and I'd like to help you because I struggle there too. And so you're honest with them and you say, now listen, this is between us. And all of a sudden, they go and tell everyone what, what you've been through, and you get burned. Why? Because you cared enough to help that person. And what happens is, like, you begin to treat that, like, you just shut yourself off, you isolate yourself. Like, I never trust another man, never trust another pastor, never trust another boss, never trust another CEO, never trust another businessman, never, 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 never principal, never coach, because the last one, That's called cynicism because you were burned. It started because you cared to reach out and then you got burned. And what happens is and you get burned and then you stop trusting in man and you stop trusting in God. 
then you begin to form unhealthy opinions of people and groups of people and, and you lump everyone into the same category and you say, well, nothing good could come from Nazareth. <laughs> Do you know what kind of people live there? That's exactly what Nathaniel is doing here. Cynicism stunts our ability to grow and learn. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the fundamentals of the faith. And we're going to see what God's word says. But listen, you won't grow unless you're open to the truths of God's word, not based solely on your own personal experiences. See, here's what I know from God's word. The Christian walk is supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be difficult. And if you believe a worldview that says that once you come to Christ, everything is easy, then your worldview is skewed by some faulty belief system. How do I know that? Look at Mark chapter 8. Just turn to Mark chapter 8. Jesus gave this reminder to disciples in Mark chapter 8. Look at Mark chapter 8. This is his reminder in verse 34 and 35. Look what he says about following Jesus. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. It says, Then he called the crowd to him, along with the disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their what? Cross. And do what? Follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoa, wait a minute. And whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. The reality is, this is difficult to do while clinging to the belief that God is a good God and that God is sovereign. But we will suffer. Life will be hard. The ideal is, Jesus said, there will be cross-bearing times in our lives. Here's what I know about cynics. Cynics never change the world. They just tell you why the world won't change. Do you know? <laughs> Have you ever sat in a meeting with them? It's like, man, you just, it's like you, you go out of the meeting, it's like you need to take a shower. Like, man, oh, dead. Like, I just feel yucky. Like, I just had poison poured all over me. So Nathan has this response. Nathaniel has this response. And look what happens. He says, can anything good come from there? And so Philip says, okay. In verse 46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. And then, come and see, said Philip. This was Philip's way of saying to Nathaniel, open your heart again and your mind that Jesus is real. So watch what happens. He comes and sees. Verse 47. Then when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile. Nathanael asked, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now that is a fresh encounter with the living God. So here's what happens. Let's bring it modern vernacular. You run into Jesus and your friend invites you to follow Jesus. And so you encounter Jesus and he says, hey, I saw you at the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru this morning before you came to church. And you know what? You ordered a vanilla latte and while you're ordering that vanilla latte, it tastes so good that you took a big sip. And by the way, you got a spot on your shirt, don't you? And you're like, how did you know that? Because I'm Jesus. And the thing in you was like, how did you know that? He said, because I'm God. 
And I saw you under that fig tree. And the truth is, he was probably under that fig tree, going back to Genesis 28 and remembering about the, the Israelites. And remember the, this wrestling match that Jacob probably had. It's probably where the ascending and descending came from in this conversation. And, and he is blown away that Jesus knows this. And he's thinking, wait a minute, how can you know that? You're from Nazareth, for crying out loud. And Jesus said, I know that because why? Because I am the son of God. His world view is being shattered because Jesus speaks from his ability to be God. Can I ask you a question? You don't need to answer this. Does your world view have room for God to do supernatural in your life? Like, sir, does it? Or do you just say, well, Jim, come on. The New Testament, that was written 2,000 years ago. The Old Testament, another 4,000. Like, Jim, we're talking like 6,000 to 2,000 years ago. And you're telling me, Jim, that the same God that did that for the Israelites and the same God that did this for Philip and Nathaniel is the same God today? You see, your view on that question will determine your biblical worldview. And the reality is, my Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my Bible says that he is God. And my Bible says that he can do things that man can't do. And my Bible says that with some things it's impossible for man, but with God nothing is impossible. And my Bible says that he can do immeasurably more than we're asking or imagining. You know what? I believe it. Not because only I've experienced it, but because I've read the truths of God's word. You see, if we don't go back to the point and the basis and the foundation of truth, the word of God, then we'll never find truth based upon our experiences. It's why we live in a world that says there are many ways to God. It's why we live in a world that is tolerant of all behaviors. It's why we live in a world, it's because we've moved away. Listen, here's what I know to be true. You cannot begin today with the word of God, with the generation coming through and say this. This is truth because it's in the Bible. The generation coming through today that don't know Christ, they don't believe the Bible is true. We can't, the, the truth of God's word has so eroded from the marketplace that we can no longer say, we used to be able to say, because the Bible says so. You know where you begin? The resurrection. Why can you go to the resurrection? Because there's historical accounts by Jewish theologians who weren't Christian, who said Jesus died and was resurrected. You have to begin with the resurrection instead of the Bible. But as believers, if we leave the mooring point of truth, the reason we do is because we've become cynical. So what's Nathan, Nathaniel's response? Look what he says. The Lord said, hey, I saw you under a fig tree. He said, how did you know that? Verse 49, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you at the Dunkin' Donuts drive-thru. You will see greater things than that. What's he mean by that? Well, chapter 2 through 13, the miracles of Jesus. 
You will see heaven open. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. By the way, I love this in the Greek. Look at verse 51. It says this, he then added, very truly. We could actually interpret that in the Greek, amen, amen. It's the Greek word, amen, amen. And the word amen, amen means so be it, so be it. So you could actually read this, so be it, so be it. I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, this is the Son of God. Hope is what dies in you when you are the most cynical. Always remember that life doesn't make you a cynic. You do. (laughs) Because I could face the same thing that you face. I could age like you age. And you could even project on me and say something like this. Well, you haven't been through what I've been through. And just wait till you're my age. And I always say, wait, I hope when I'm your age that I still trust in God. I hope that I don't make decisions based upon my journey. I have a choice to make, you have a choice to make based upon the hurt, the pain, the hardship that you've come through to still trust in God or not trust in God. You, your situation doesn't make you a cynic, you do by the way you respond to that. You see, there is no room for Christians to have doubt, skepticism, and cynicism. And it is impossible to have that in a heart full of praise. Do you hear me? Praise and cynicism cannot exist in the same cabinet. Praise and cynicism cannot resist in this, or exist in the same heart. You can't be praising God and being a, cynical, being a cynic about God. It's impossible. You know why we're cynics? It's because we're prideful people. Pride says that I, that I know and I have nothing more to learn in that area. And we say that, just wait till you're my age. Just wait till I go through this. That's what cynics say. Instead of saying, I hope it's much better for you and I hope you trust in God no matter what because I trust in God. Humility says I need to hear this again and apply it to my life. You know what we need, quite frank? We all need a fresh encounter with Jesus like Nathaniel had here. Nathaniel's worldview was rocked when he met Jesus face to face and realized he had a jaded view of Jesus Cynicism will crumble under the relentless hope of the gospel. Jesus sees your doubt and lobs belief back at you again and again. Isn't that the truth? Like, for you as a person, what helps build your faith? Testimonies. And so what happens is Jesus said, okay, if you don't believe that, then I'm going to tell you another story. If you don't believe that, then I'm going to hit you upside the head with this. If you don't believe this when you pray, here's another one. And so in our doubt that we throw to him, he keeps lobbing down belief. He keeps lobbing down testimony. He keeps lobbing. Sometimes you're walking along like, well, I'm not sure. Bam, there it is. Oh, okay, I believe. And that's what's happened in Nathaniel here. As I look back on my, my life with my wife, Ann, we, we, we have, I'm not kidding you, Thousand stories of God's stories where God came through. And we, the two of us could sit up here and tell you story after story after story where we trusted and we believed and it, it didn't make sense to man and God provided, God provided, God provided, God provided. And God is still providing, 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 blowing our minds away, doing measure more than we're, stuff we're not even asking he's doing. And so we could tell you story after story. So our faith is built based upon God keep lobbying belief back. And one of my favorite stories as a church was five years ago. We were having Fight Club graduation out here on the East Lawn before it was a parking lot. And 
the forecast had rain. And when I say rain, it was a 90% chance of rain. We had no plan B, none whatsoever. And so as I'm driving from New Paris to come here, it's pouring down rain to come to the graduation. As soon as I got on the Grace campus, it's like, it's not raining here. It's cloudy, it's dark. So we sat up and we brought the Jumbotron. They came in from, from Middlebury and this guy brought it in. And when he brought it in, it was raining in Middlebury. And as soon as he got here to Grace to set it up, it wasn't rain. And as we're going through the ceremony, you could look down towards Napanee, and I kid you not, there were lightning bolts, and it was stormy, and I had guys coming to me throughout the whole, 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 whole graduation. They're saying, Jim, look, look at the map, look, 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 look at the map, it's going to rain, we got, we got clothes up. We got. And I just kept saying, listen, let's give God a chance. Some of us aren't willing to give him a chance. We're not even willing to give him a chance to come through. And I just said, I know you think I'm crazy, but I just want to give God a chance. Like, if we shut down, it's dry, I kept saying. Listen, it's dry. But, but the rain's coming. Give God a chance. And so 15 minutes later, the green's getting more, and they're coming. Over. And finally, a guy came over to me. It was like the fifth guy after a while. And he came over, and he said, I don't even want to say it anymore. Get, go. Okay, okay. He left. And some person took a picture. I'm going to show you in a second. Don't go there yet, but... And as we're there, graduation unfolds, unpacks, takes place. Not one drop of rain. It is pouring down rain. I mean, it's, it's right down here on 36. It's, 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 it's County Road 17. It is pouring down. It's pouring down rain in Syracuse. It's pouring down rain in Bristol. It is pouring down rain everywhere. And as soon as we close up everything, we put the jumbotron down. We put all the music equipment away. Anna and I got her in our Jeep and rolled away. Boom. And someone took a picture of the radar. Take, this, this was it. <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> you see, that's what God can do. But there's some in this room. You know what you're saying? Oh, that, that, that just, that didn't happen. And let me fast forward. Graduation this year at the lodge. We just had one. Rain forecast. Forecast early in the week. It's going to rain on Sunday. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's like, man, we want to have the graduation at the lodge in May. It's such a great place to have graduation. And so we plan, and we said, we're going to do it at the lodge. And, and so this same guy who owns this company, his name's Flint, he got a report that they needed a jumbotron early on. He looked at his schedule, and he said, oh, it's in Goshen. So he looks at his map. He said, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it's supposed to rain on Sunday. He came up to me before the graduation. He, he hunted me down. He said, I just got to tell you this, Jim. came up. Because it was sunny that night at graduation, and he came up, and, and he said, I just want to let you know, he said, I saw the event, and, and I saw it, and, and, and he, my driver was coming, and I was coming with him, and, and I said, you know, these people, they're planning, it's not going to happen, so don't worry about it, it's not going to happen. He said, then I looked down, and I saw it was for Grace Community Church, and I said this, I, I kid you not, I said, I told my employee, it never rains there, we're gone. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I'm, I'm serious, it's not because of us. It's because we believe and give our God a chance. Like how many of you, like you're so close, but like God, let me have my hands on it. Or we bail out, like we would miss out on so much. You see, my worldview says this, my biblical worldview says God can do imaginably more than the radar is telling me. 
God can do immeasurably more than what the scheduled event says, 90% rain. God can do more. God can take kidneys and reverse them to say they don't need dialysis anymore. Okay. I don't know where you stand there, but I believe my God can do that. You say cynicism is the devil's playground. He invites you in and he begins to challenge everything God has said. And he says this, did God really say that? Can God really do that? Isn't that what he did in Genesis 3? But here's what I know. Hope is in Jesus' playground and it cannot die when an empty tomb sets in the center of it. <laughs> Amen? Not the merry-go-round but an empty tomb. You see, instead of listening to the news, we need to go to the empty tomb. Instead of letting fear riddle your heart, we need to go to the empty tomb. Instead of letting a lie encompass your life, we need to go to the empty tomb. Instead of believing a doctor's report, we need to go to the empty tomb. Instead of being stressed out over a bill, we need to go to the empty tomb because our God can do what man can't do. All right, here's this group again. I always got to help you. Can I get an amen? amen. I, need, I need some Baptists over here. Got to help me out today. Holy cow. <laughs> Give me an amen, somebody. Amen. So be it. So be it. And then he tells him, you will see more because what I just showed you was nothing. The good news is this. You and I have a chance to change today. <laughs> The disciples thought despair had won, didn't they? Like, how many of them went to the cross? John. Where were the other disciples? You see, they thought, that was too hard. I didn't think death would be that bad. I didn't know Jesus would have to carry his own. I didn't realize they were going to flog him. I didn't realize that he, that he would go through with it. I thought he would say, stop. And you're, man, that means if he went through that, he kept telling us that we need to carry a cross too, then I got to go through it. And if I tell them I'm a follower of God, then I could be on a cross too. And they let despair keep them away. They gave up on Jesus at the cross, yet they ended up dying for him. And why, 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 why? Because at the center of Jesus' playground is an empty tomb. And they saw the empty tomb and they saw the resurrected Jesus. And when they saw the resurrected Jesus, their biblical worldview was radically changed and they ended up dying for that cause. Nothing's changed, Grace. Nothing's changed. You see, you will end your life up in two ways. It will be laced with joy, faith, and gratefulness, or It'll be laced with skepticism, bitterness, and a crotchety spirit. I, I mean this. I, as I age, and as Ann and I age, and I've been thinking about this a long time, I do not want to end up with those people who all they do is gripe and complain and tell me about their glory days. I don't want to be that person who is bitter and resentful and who blows up because they don't get what they want. I don't want to be that person who doesn't believe God. Like, I don't want to get to the end of my life. Like, and there are people out there, they're cynical. They're, they're just cynical. And the truth is this. As you grow older, you become more of what you already are. I said this earlier, and I mean this with all my heart. I want to be like Dick and Sherry Gingrich. 
You know why I say that? Because they're in their late 70s. I never hear them gripe. I never hear them complain. I've never got a letter from them what they didn't like or how, why they didn't like it. And when I spend time with them, they still believe that God can do things that are man can't. I want to, as I grow old and gray, I want to be reaching the next generation. I want people to walk away from me and say, that dude, he believes? Listen, listen to me. Have you ever spent time with someone that's 75 and still trying to climb? 75 who's still trying to believe? 75 who's still breathing hope? You walk away and say, dude, you got five years left. What's up with you? And they still believe that God can do immeasurably more than they're asking. That's who I want to be. But cynicism will leave you as a crotchety old man. Before you know it, the concrete is set. Get out the jackhammer, Grace. Some of you need to. And if you're really honest, there are portions in your life where you've let it sip, slip in, slide in. You don't like this. You've got a critical spirit. If you were doing it, you would do it differently. I don't like that, I don't like this, I'm gonna get this here and get that there and get this over there, get this here. We let that spirit, it's cynicism. Here are six reasons I believe it happens and these are good and they could be really helpful for you and they've been helpful for me and I encourage you to write them down maybe they'll be helpful for you. Here's what, number one. This is why you become cynical because you know too much. You've been burned So you view all men or women or people you shared honestly and were vulnerable with and someone hurt you. They betrayed you and you have heartbreak. So you don't trust again. You don't trust trust a, a person. Life isn't easy and a desperation and brokenness sets in. And so you just say, I give up on people. Listen, you will be hurt by people. Listen. God loves you and will pick you up and help you through it. A second reason why you become cynical, you have not grieved your losses. Let me explain this. This is an important one. Every one of us has a series of wins and losses in our life. Every time someone leaves you, a relationship, for me, a church, it's a loss. You lost a person, so you grieve. Every time you do a funeral or go to a funeral, it's a loss, so you need to grieve. Every time you can't do something as a leader that you want to do, or as a person, or as a mom or dad, guess what? It's a loss, because you couldn't do what you wanted to do. You know what happens? Most people stuff the losses. And when you stuff, guess what happens? You cry a lot. Because you don't understand why this pain doesn't go away. Because you've stuffed it. So instead of stuffing, give it over to God and grieve the loss. The Bible says mourn with those that mourn, grieve with those that grieve, rejoice with those who rejoice. In the Old Testament, they would have 40 days of mourning. Eventually, after the mourning subsides, God's new mercies come every day. There is healing. Listen to me. You need to grieve. You need to give it over. But once you've grieved, don't go back and dig up what you've already handed over to God. Another reason you become cynical. You have not dealt with your issues. 
Now hear me out. Yes, you have issues, and yes, I do, and you know most of them. You haven't dealt with your issues. In addition to your losses you experience, you bring baggage from the past. Don't run from dealing with your stuff. Don't try to get on the airplane and hide this baggage up, this third bag that you're not supposed to have. Check it in every day and say, God, I got some baggage. God, I got some pain. God, I got an issue with this person. God, I got some grief. God, I'm giving it to you today. I refuse to check it in again today. It's yours. Don't bring it with you tomorrow. Deal with your issues. Talk to someone. Meet with a counselor. Talk to a mentor. Open up your heart to a friend. See, here's what happens. We don't because we say this. If I open up my heart, then I'll get hurt again. (laughs) Your very cynicism will keep you from healing. Four, you have projected past failures into new situations. (laughs) Oh my goodness, we do this all the time and we become cynical. You start to protect your heart from future hurt. Well, the last time I was in a meeting with these guys and gals, I offered this idea and they shut it down. The last time I tried to be vulnerable, they betrayed me. (laughs) The last time I was transparent, they rejected me. And so you meet a new couple and you're guarded and suspicious of them because you're projecting your past relationship with others into this present situation. You see a new coworker, and tell me, have you ever done this? You see a new coworker, a new employee, and you think, it's only a matter of time to lure out of here. That's cynicism. You see potential hurt, and so you don't even go there. Your guardedness and suspicion involve into anger and bitterness, and you wake up and you're angry, and you don't even know why you're angry. It's because you've buried this issue in your heart. And know what happens next? You stop trusting altogether. No more friendships, and you question whether people are even worth the time of the day, and you become numb to the ones you love the most, your husband and your wife and your children. Can I say something very frank, but this is the truth. When you close your heart to people, you close your heart to God. And so many people are riddled in cynicism and they're in relationships where they've been hurt and they haven't dealt with it and they've closed their heart and they're numb in relationships and then they wonder why they don't know that the presence of God is with them and they feel all alone. Where is God? It's because you have cut yourself off to people. Good news. Here's the good news. Here's good. I'll close with this off. This is good news. So what's the remedy? Like, whew, Pastor Jim, how can I get out of this hole? How, how can I get out? You know how? You become curious again. Here's what I mean by that. The curious are never cynical. They're interested in new possibilities. They're always hopeful. They're always growing. They're always learning. They're always exploring. They're never settling. They're always dreaming. And and, and so, Pastor Jim, how do I do that? I don't know what to do. I just have these thoughts. Well, the Bible, guess what, has some really good things to say about it. And I'm just going to read it. And I believe this is right from God. 
And it's going to be good for all of us to hear it today because here's truth. Here's what you do. Here's what, here's what 2,000 years ago, this was the remedy and it's still the remedy today. How do we overcome cynicism? Here, here, here it is. Just listen. Finally, Grace Community Church, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. That's it. There it is. There it is. Instead of, and I would say this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to knock on some, 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 some personal stuff here because some of you, you you're asking, why, why did I feel this way? Why am I so cynical? I'm, I'm going to encourage you. Here it is. The word of God is, is, is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for admonishing and encouraging. I'm, I'm going to do all of them right here. Right, right, here. Quit listening to talk radio. I'm serious. It's doom and gloom. Quit reading news about that's constantly critiquing other people. Quit reading blogs and listening to podcasts of people that have failed and reading books that constantly point out that what's wrong with others, it sucks the hope right out of you. Instead, dream, explore, worship God, fill your minds with noble, trustworthy, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy things. Amen? Okay, help me out, Baptist. Amen? Cynicism squashes your belief. And I, I guarantee you, some of you need to repent. And right now, you're judging me. <laughs> if you're a cynic, you're judging me. Well, he doesn't know this. And wait till I, I'll talk to him later. And he, he's not right about that. That's a cynic. <laughs> you see, our hope isn't based on an emotion, but on the truth of the gospel. You, your past isn't your future. Jesus is. And when I go to Jesus' playground every morning, when I wake up, I check and I look. And guess what? The tomb's still empty. <laughs> and my God overcame death. And my God was resurrected on the third day. And my God defeated the enemy at the cross. And not only did he defeat him, he disarmed him forever. And my enemy called Satan will spend eternity in a place, a literal place called hell and burn forever. And my Bible tells me that there will be a day that God will either rapture me if I die, he'll rescue me and I will spend eternity in heaven in a place that he has made for me and I will live forever and ever and there will be no sin and there will be no heart and my God will rule the earth forever and ever. That's a biblical worldview. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh Lord, help us today. We need help. I pray where calluses have formed in our hearts and where our lenses have become jaded and where we even have a response to this message. Well, he doesn't understand it. No, no. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that we would think on things that are noble, things that are excellent, praiseworthy. And I pray, God, that cynicism would be squashed forever so that we can believe again that you can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.